Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Christians Unleashed 
and I'm your host, the Visible One himself. Kind of been on hiatus for the last year or so because I was focused on the pro-life issues, saving the babies and the post-abortive women. Life is what's important to me. Which brings me to this very special episode. On the line, I have three phenomenal women with a phenomenal organization. And I'm going to bring them on in just a little bit. But before I do, got to get to my dialogue. You know, I must start out with my motto, and that is this. Here at the Visible Conservative Radio Network, we are not politically correct. We're just correct politically, and we always come down on the right side of the issue. My other saying when it comes to politics, politics does not define my faith in Jesus Christ, but my faith in Jesus Christ defines my politics. Therefore, I will not mince words. Right is right, wrong is wrong, enough is enough. A World War II veteran beaten to death. An Australian baseball player killed because they were bored. White man in um, St. Louis, hot dog vendor, had his phone stolen from the Home Depot and he was hit in the head by a hammer. But yet there are those who don't feel that there's enough ticket black on white violence. I'm sure it's been happening, some may say. But why is it so high profile now? Many reasons. But let me tell you what I'm sick and tired of. The excuses for bad behavior. The excuses for bad behavior. I've heard them. Well, 
know, they grew up, they had a hard life and all this, that, and the other. That's why they did what they did. Is anyone accountable? Is anyone going to be held responsible? It seems like adults across the board, not just in the black community, but adults, period, are shucking their responsibility to their kids. Why? Oh, because their life is just going too fast. Or they don't really have time for their kids. As in some of the things that rich folks do, they toss their kids a whole bunch of money and tell them to go do whatever. Folks, let me tell you something. You want to talk about a hard life. Let's talk about barely surviving a birth, only to be surgically sterilized at six months old, therefore never having the opportunity to have a family. Back up for a minute. Put into the system at the age of three months and was in the system my entire life. You want to talk about a rough life, rejected by every aspect of society growing up. People talked to me, but they made fun of me. I was their little joke, punching bag, punchline. Still to this day, I kind of seek a sense of belonging. Every type of abuse known to man happened to me. Guess what, folks? Guess what I didn't do? Yeah, I was pissed off mad at the world. But guess what I didn't do? I didn't go murder someone. Guess why I didn't? I didn't like people enough to murder them. I spent four years of my life by my own choice hating the human race. I didn't discriminate. I hated you if you were a human being. I specifically hated men and how they treated the women in my life as I was growing up. but the hatred was my choice. I went through the period where I made the decision to blame people for things that were my fault. But ultimately, I was responsible for the bitterness, the hatred, and the anger that I held on. The bitterness the hate and the anger.
that I held on to. I was responsible for that. No one else. I didn't have a stable mother or father growing up. I was a pinball in the pinball machine known as foster care. You think you had it rough? You think you had it so rough that that gives you the right to go gangbang, slang dope, kill people because you had it rough? You don't know rough. And you want to talk about racism? You talk to me when you've had three family members killed because of the color of their skin. I don't get hung up on that. And guess what I didn't do as well? I did not blame an entire race of people for the actions of a few jackasses. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. With that, I'm going to take a short break, and we're going to come back with the ladies of the last civil rights and Dr. Tim Johnson once I get them on the line. Hmm. I think, you know, I want to play God Bless the USA because I love this nation. If I find the song. Folks, bear with me. I have too many songs on this thing. Sometimes you just got to eat them all out. There we go. Just my children and my wife Thank my lucky stars To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the U.S.A. 
from Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, and New York to L.A., there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. Timothy Johnson, 
and we are going to talk about the craziness that's going on. Pam, welcome to the show again. How are you doing today, Pam? Thank you. Thank you for having me, Thomas. <clears throat> yes, sir. Um, you military veteran, I just want to ask you how you felt when you heard, and I know you've been keeping up with everything that's going on because that's just what you do, but specifically when you heard this story about the 89-year-old the uh, World War II veteran being beaten to death by the gang of black males, and I'll just use that term loosely, black males. What was your thought on that, Tim? Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, it's it's a sad state of affairs when our elders, uh, who not only uh, have have been here for many many years, but have served and done the things that this elderly gentleman had done, and when it came down to serving his nation in World War II, that we would put color uh, before respect of our elders. We would put nonsense ahead of just doing the right thing because it's morally correct. Uh, it's, it's a sad state of affairs that our young people today are finding that the only way that they can show their frustration is by, uh, if you will, acting out some of the hatred that's being spewed by, uh, in particular, people from the left. Uh, I, I look at people like Jesse Jackson and, and and Al Sharpton and others. I hold them accountable uh, as much as anybody. You know, oftentimes people like to say that they're right, it's oftentimes motivated by the things that Sean Hannity and Russ Limbaugh say, well, that's true. Uh, and if people want to continue to promote that, as you and I entertain that each and every day, uh, then that means Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and others are going to have to take the accountability and responsibility of this hatred and these, uh, these very aggressive and violent acts that are taking place by our young black men uh, in particular. And, uh, there's got to be a change in our society, and we've got to start calling the spade a spade and not only calling out and praying for these young people for their decision that they made to, to hurt someone, but we've got to make sure that we dethrone some of these individuals who have been put on a pedestal and left on a pedestal for so many years. Uh, and it's time for organizations such as the Frederick Douglass Foundation and other organizations around the nation to speak up and speak out and stop uh, right. allowing the media to promote the Al Sharpsons, the Jesse Jacks, the Ben Jealous, and so forth who promote uh, uh, interracial harmony, if you will, disharmony. Uh, I want to change that. I served in the military for 23 years, and, and while we didn't always agree with each other, I would say what we always looked at was the green uniform, not the color of our skin. Uh, and I think that our society was better off before President Obama. Uh, I know many people felt that he was going to be the the ideal person for us all because of his mixed heritage and, and bringing unity to the races. Uh, but I think over the past five years, we've seen that our nation has become more disconnected versus more connected. And so uh, I think that we've just got to start being honest about this. And it's sad that the media is not giving attention not only to the elderly gentleman, but also to, to the baseball player from Australia. Uh, this is just typical. And then there was another incident that took place in Memphis, Tennessee, a few weeks ago in, in basically the same dynamic. So we've got to change the dynamics and change the conversation. Right. So, ultimately, what would you what would you say? How do we go about doing that without you know feel like appearing like we're pandering? Because you know I have heard 
from some, you know, some black conservatives. They're like, well, you gotta, you gotta be nice, or the message won't be received. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, but when I have came respectfully, just having a conversation, the moment that you mention who you who you represent, then it's the disconnect, the swell up, and everything. And then people say, "Well, you can't, you can't let them know who you are." Tim, why, why do we as Black conservatives continue to be told we can't be who we are because we won't reach our own community? Well, I don't care who tells me. The question is, why do we keep listening? Um, I mean, the challenge, the challenge is, do we listen to that nonsense? Look, as you well know, as being one of my leaders in the Frederick Douglass Foundation that I am not politically correct, I'm politically direct. And so I am not concerned about people's opinion of Tim Johnson. I'm not concerned about people trying to censor my speaking. Uh, I was willing to die for the first, second, third, all the amendments to the Constitution, uh, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. And so I'm not going to have any individual censor me to tell me what I can and what I can't say, what I can't or what I should and what I shouldn't do. I think every American has that same opportunity and that same obligation to truly believe in this nation. And so uh, we as people of color who happen to have values that are different than the vast majority of our of our constituents um, must recognize that, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, the Bible says that when you said you're going to follow him, you've got to be prepared to carry your own cross. And before you say you're going to carry your own cross, you've got to recognize the cost to carry your own cross. Uh, the Bible also right. tells us that Jesus told, chose his disciples that the slave is never greater than the master and that they persecuted me. What do you think they're going to do to you? And so we have to recognize that if we truly want to go to the promised land, if we truly believe in, in, in as a Christian organization, we do. Uh, we believe that we have to be willing to stand by our so-called convictions and be prepared to die on the cross. Uh, is that what I want to do? No, I don't want to be a martyr any more than anybody else wants to be a martyr. But I think that we have to recognize that sometimes you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And there have been too right. many of us that have been too busy trying to be friends with everybody and not taking a position uh, because we're, we're worried about being disliked. We're worried about people disassociating themselves with us. And if people disassociate themselves with me, it's okay. I'm still going to be Tim Johnson. I'm still going to get up in the morning. I'm still going to have four kids and six grandkids, and life is just going to be fine. So. I think we just have to change our mindset uh, and be okay with it. I think there are a lot more people who are okay with that. We just don't promote them. We promote the nonsense, and we don't promote the other stuff. The other thing I want to say, too, is that we tell black conservatives they need to taper what they say, but Jesse and Al and others continue to say whatever they want to say, when they want to say it, and how they want to say it, and are, are not held accountable for their vicious, mean-spirited things that they say, and we just come to accept it, that that's just how they are well. We need to just become that's how we are. And I'm going to say what I want to say and do what I want to do, and I'm going to encourage other people who believe in the freedom of America to do the same. Amen. Wow. Before you run, Tim, you got a, you got a moment to uh, take a few maybe calls or questions because sure. the, the board has lit, lit up. So let's see. Um, I'm going to take um, – Five zero eight. Five zero eight area code. Who am I talking to? My name's Tom. Tommy Fuller. Nice to nice to talk with you, gentlemen. Thank you. How are you, Tom? Um, I'm well. 
I am well. And uh, Brother Tim Johnson, thank you for serving this country in our armed forces. Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, myself, my ancestry goes back to the 1630s in this country. As far as I know, I'm mostly Caucasian by ancestry. And first and foremost, I did not ask to be born this way. It's just how it happened. And uh, anyway, um, I uh, am very disappointed in the civil rights community at the rancor in the language that they've used the last few months. And as you said earlier, Tim, that nobody is being held accountable for for that. And um, at this stage of the game, uh, when we go back probably two or three years ago when Congressman Giffords was shot, uh, I do remember hearing language on MSNBC. They were blaming Sarah Palin as well as, quote-unquote, the Tea Party about the madman that shot her, and it turned out he had nothing to do with conservative politics, and actually I, be- I believe he was a registered Democrat. But it is quite funny that at this stage of the game now that we've we've seen these increases in violence uh, directed in some cases at white whites after the Trayvon Martin case with, with Zimmerman being acquitted. And I did not hear President Obama, who claimed to be a uniter of people, saying that, listen, regardless of what happens after this verdict, there will be no payback or retribution or anything if we don't like the decision that was made, and Barack Obama only offered lip service on it. And um, I, I'm just disappointed. So I'd like to hear your thoughts, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, well, you know, I, and I agree with you, and, and thank you for acknowledging my service. You know, one of the things that I tell people all the time, especially when, when people are bold enough to call me African-American, I have to correct them say I'm not an African-American. I've never been to Africa. I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm an Ohio American, if that's what you want to call me. But but uh, but but call me Tim is a lot easier. Um, I, I don't identify with the continent of Africa. If, we, if we're going to teach our kids and educate them, then we need to have them understand that Africa is a continent, not a country, uh, yep. and that there's no one color that exists on that particular continent. So you can't automatically assume a person of dark complexion uh, is automatically from Africa or their heritage is even from Africa. But that's a whole other conversation uh, right. that I can have. The other thing that I think is important is that we, for far too long, have allowed the so-called civil rights leader, who I didn't vote for, civil rights leaders to represent us and to speak on our behalf or at least give the impression they speak on our behalf. And so one of the things that I'm doing within our organization is making it clear that uh, those individuals don't speak for us. There are many people like myself who are sick and tired of being lumped into a pile. Uh, that is misrepresenting not only our culture but misrepresenting our future, uh, and it's, it's time for us to do some things a little different. One of the things that even the Frederick Douglass Foundation is going to do is we're going to take an aggressive action to go after members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Why? Because they have been a, a, a stand uh, hands-off organization where nobody wants to challenge the CBC members, and I think uh, it's far time that we have black conservatives, white conservatives, uh, Hispanic conservatives, whoever, to challenge uh, this this hands-off approach that people have been taking with this group of people. So there's a lot of things that we can do within our communities. We need to start calling out these so-called leaders to include John Lewis and, and Joseph Lowry and Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. Call them for what it is. They may have had a place 50 years ago, 
but we're 50 yep. years later. Uh, we don't need to keep talking about the same things in 19. I mean, in 2013, as we were talking about in 1964. Here it is. John Conyers has been in Congress since 1964. What does he need two more years for? Charlie Rain has been in Congress since 1973. What does he need two more years for? So yeah, there's some he, things he that we can do within our own community. <laughs> we can do yeah, our own Charlie community. Yeah, and Charlie Rangel doesn't like to pay his taxes on rental property right. in the Dominican Republic, right. and he sits on a right. friggin' tax committee. Please. Right, and so. So, so if we're going to be serious about making some changes, then we need to start identifying these people as we will be quick to identify everyone else and start identifying the people who, who look somewhat like me that's supposed to represent my interests uh, who are not representing my interests and only play to the media when it's convenient for them to play to the media. So those are some things that we have to do. And, and as you can tell, I don't have a problem calling a spade a spade. I don't have a problem in calling out names. I don't have a problem in saying that enough is enough, that no longer will the black community as a whole continue to just follow like a bunch of sheep uh, without any acknowledgement of common sense and practicality. And we're going to start holding people accountable, and we're going to sing it from the top of the towers or whatever we need to do in order to get that message out. That's what Frederick Douglass Foundation is, is committed yeah. to doing. Yep. Well, hey, I'm going to let you go get to another caller, and I uh, enjoy your show. And, by the way, I subscribe on Facebook to the Frederick Douglass Society. It's been about six months since I've subscribed to it, and I love the postings. Thank well, you. Actually, God. where's the Frederick Douglass Foundation? Different, okay, well, okay, well uh, I want to say it's the Frederick Douglass Society. Does that sound correct? No, no, that's a different organization. Frederick okay, Douglas then maybe Foundation. it is the Frederick Douglass Foundation, but they always bring up conservative points, so maybe I'm, I'm just uh, using the, the wrong. Okay. But anyway, yeah, God bless you. <laughs> he was you. a statesman. God bless you, Tim. I'm going to put you back All on right. you right. so you can Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. What, what was that, Thomas? No, I was saying bye-bye to him. Um, we have another caller. Um, Seven seven four area code. You're on yeah. the air. Yes. How you doing? How's everything? How are you? Good. Good. Not too bad. Not too bad. Hey, uh, it's I. Uh, I don't know. I just I just feel like these civil rights leaders, they all got swarmed up with the money. Money changed everything. Money is the root of all evil. They're not going to stick to their original, you know, agendas. You know, they're going to they're gonna, you know, hide behind the scenes. They're not going to fight for, they're not going to fight for the black community. It's, it's terrible. And I just think that, I just, this is my point. I just think that we need to go back into history, go into that nice, wonderful area that we had, you know, economic growth and down in Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think that's where it's really start. It's surprising that not too many schools teach that part of history that belongs to us, and I think that's where we need to get back to. We don't need to, you know, rely on the government. We, as a people, need to unite and create a way. We can let go, our, let go our um, selfish egos, give that up, and just work. Look at China. It's funny that how they they could unite, but. With us, I feel like we live in a we live in DSA, divided states of America. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, what what I what I will say to that is is, is I think the challenge is, and you're right, there's a variety of different places that we have lost the history, and and not only do we need to understand and appreciate history, but we need to be using some of those historical events, if you to will, push to forward. mark out what we need. 
yeah, to what we need to do in the, in the future. And so, you know, when you think about what just took place yesterday in D.C. with the march, they want to sit there and talk about uh, the I Have a Dream speech. One of the things that bothers me about every time somebody talks about the I Have a Dream speech is that they forget that Martin Luther King initially wasn't even supposed to speak. Then when he was brought on board, and, 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 and Andrew Young is going to talk about that tonight uh, on, the, on the news, but um, even when he was going to speak, he initially wasn't going to give the I Have a Dream speech. I Have a Dream speech was one of his canned speeches that he always said. He, I mean, it was like the eighth time that he had said it when he said it uh, in D.C. on August 28th of, of 1963. And then the other thing that I think is interesting is that you don't give proper credit to all those other individuals who were there who were who were really committed to the march on Washington for jobs. And so there are many things that we historically don't appreciate. Everybody wants to, you know, T.D. Jakes talks about this in one of his songs, that everybody looks at him now that he's arrived, but people weren't around when he was working to get there. And the same thing applies, that we, we celebrate the victory after the victory's been had, but we forget about all the struggles that we had to go to go through in order to get the victories. And so one of the challenges that we have within our community is that we've got to decide that we're really in the fight again uh, we don't necessarily have to fight the same way, but we've got to fight with the same commitment, the same tenacity, uh, the, the same aggressiveness, if you will, to make sure that we're clear about what we want. And we are allowing our families to go to POTS because we're allowing the government to intervene. Uh, we're allowing the government to dictate to us who can have a kid, who can't have a kid, who can raise a kid, who can't raise a kid. Uh, everything is about the government nowadays. And we have to decide that as a community, as a community, we're going to take ownership and put government back in its proper place. And that's the problem that we've had is we've allowed government to take over our lives versus saying government has a place, but it is not to dominate our lives. It is to supplement our lives, and that's a big difference. It is, it is a big difference. And you don't know what, what this country is coming to. There's no more capitalism, my friend. <laughs> now, it's, uh, now it's starting right. to become a little bit more communist. I wouldn't even put a socialistic factor. In there. Oh, absolutely, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I see. For, my eye sees it for you know for itself. I don't know if your eye sees it, but my eye see it. So. Maybe. Oh yeah, I see it. I see it. That's okay. why I work so Can hard. We to agree. Do what I do. <laughs> exactly. So now yeah. we agree. So absolutely. If, you know, if something that if we agree, we have to come up with a way we we could unite so we could try to. Defeat this agenda. We'll our, create a, a create, we'll our create our own community and create our own. Well, community. we don't right now. We don't need to create. Right now, we don't need to create. We don't need to create anything. We need to work. We need to work to eliminate. And I will tell you right now, if you go to our website, here here's one of the challenges. We don't need to always talk about creating anything. We have the resources and the tools right here before us. What we have to stop doing is stop being on the sideline and stop being quiet. Three percent of our population is considered to be homosexual, yet they dominate the news. That makes oh, yeah. absolutely no sense at all. Because too many Christians and too many other people are sitting on the sideline being quiet and burying their heads in the sand. So we don't have to – all we've got to do is pull our head out of the sand and decide that we're no longer going to be silent and that we're going to speak up and speak out and not worry about the repercussions because we're more concerned about today than we are about having friends and, and buddies and all the rest of those things. So we don't need to start another organization. We don't need to, we don't need to have a new constitution. All we need to do is be clear about what we all stand for Join organizations such as ours and other organizations that are out there. Become part of the group because we're going to do a lot better as a collective body versus individuals. And then go out there and do. We talk too much and do too little. And that's the one thing that I tell all my leaders is I'm not interested in you talking about what you want to do. I am curious. Yeah, I, am, I am behind you doing what you do. Absolutely. So, again, go to our website learn more about the Frederick Douglass Foundation. We'd love to have you become a part of what we're doing. 
All right, sounds great, man. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. It was good talking with you. You're Thank you. All right, All right no problem. Thank you. And man, Tim, you you've lit it, you've lit it up, my friend. Got one more, got one more caller. I think this is a Skype caller. Okay. Skype caller. You have a question? Yes. Uh, good good afternoon. I was listening to the show. I I couldn't help but pay attention to the previous caller mentioned. Tulsa, Oklahoma, and for those who don't know, I'll give you a real quick history lesson. There was an area in Tulsa, Oklahoma that was called Black Wall Street, and it was one of the most affluent all-black communities in America. Uh, Well, this community was bombed from the air and burned to the ground by mobs of envious whites, Um, a community that took decades to build that was a thriving, rich self-sufficient black community was burned to the ground by mobs of envious whites in less than 12 hours. Um, A thriving business district in northern Oklahoma lay smoldering, uh, burned to the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, I also heard uh, Mr. Hold on on, 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 just a minute. Hold on just a minute. Hold on just a minute. Yeah. A little noise in the background. Okay. Go ahead. I also heard Mr. Johnson. I also heard Mr. Johnson refer to holding people accountable, and I think that's fine. However, he mentioned the Reverend Joseph, the late Reverend Joseph Lowry. He wants to hold Reverend Lowry accountable. He's been dead for over a year. Um, no, he is not. Maybe he's still alive, my friend. I live, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. He's alive and well. <laughs> Um, I'm going to Google that and check that right here. Please, um, please do. You, all, you also mentioned you also mentioned, as so many do on the right, the knee-jerk reaction of condemning Reverend Jackson and Reverend Sharpton when they've been elected to no office. They hold no particular the, the the consensus of black people that you would talk to have not chosen them to speak on television. We realize that they are profiteers and not for themselves, but people seem to think to to identify them with the black community when they really do just address issues and they really are out for themselves. The majority of the black people know that. The majority of the black people knew that, and it's really an insult that someone uh, would mention them. And I'm trying to see here Reverend Lowry. No, I stand corrected. He's 91 years old. I heard that he had passed. Um, it hurt the past. Uh, it's just shameful that the Uncle Ruckus, Uncle Tomism of the black right will do anything to please uh, white people. Um, well, who was Uncle Tom? Do- who was Uncle Tom? Who was Uncle Tom? You, you, you know are Uncle an Uncle Tom. Tom. You, no, no, do you, know who Uncle, well, you know what? You know what? I would say this to you. Thank you for calling me an Uncle Tom because you just validated your own ignorance. Uncle Tom was not a bad person. So if you don't know the history of Uncle Tom, you might not want to use that. Because if you call yourself insulting me, you just complimented me. Just like you didn't know about Joseph Lowry, you don't know about Uncle Tom. You're insulting yourself. So check this and out I want, before you wreck yourself. Tim, I want to and I yeah. want to add to that. Folks, I apologize. That was Mr. Brown from the chat room who I kicked out, but I decided I'd give him an opportunity to speak. And you know what? That's what happens when the left has no legitimate argument or anything to add. They throw out the name calling. 
But yet they <laughs> want to talk about us, and I, I won't even go in there. Um, we have one more caller for you, Tim. I do believe this is the 323 area code. 323 okay. area code? Uh, yes, how you doing, my brother? Good, how are you? Good. I'm fine. Um, uh, actually, I was just listening, and I kind of caught the tail end of, I, I mean, I, I heard the last guy say something about Uncle Tom or something like that. But um, I'm, I'm trying to get a gist of the subject, because from what I understand, it's, the subject is black on white violence. Is that what it was, my brother? I'm, I, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to coming into it. So. Yeah, yeah there's, been, there's been some really brutal issues things that have happened, and um, I'm going to be really talking about it with my next group of guests, and uh, it's just some brutal things that's been going on in attacks on white people by gangs of black youth. Well, can I ask a question about that, my brother, Um, as far as black attacking whites? Now, you know, Violence period is not tolerated. It shouldn't be tolerated by anybody. So I'm not defending. Exactly. That's why we're doing this show. Before you go on, hold on. Before hold on. Before you go on, before you go on, let me. I I kind of know where you're going, and and I'm gonna tell you one thing. I have never had any tolerance, as have any of my guests. We have never had any tolerance or racism from anybody, whether it's black or white. But for too long, when things like this have happened, when you have had black on white violence that has now really been blatantly perpetuated on people, the news media and everybody else making excuses. You have the police saying, oh, it's just a random crime. These are hate crimes. It's hate crime anytime a person uh, is attacked because of the color of their skin, their sexual orientation, um, rightly or wrongly, for whatever reason, gender, etc. It's a hate crime. But when no, you have, when you have the attorney general of the United States that states black-on-white violence is not a hate crime, enough is enough. So well, that's yeah, what, I, before you finish your comments, that's what uh, I wanted to say. So go ahead. No, I got you, buddy. Um, pretty much, if you really want to look at the specifics of it, is if, you, if you're black and I'm black, right, and... You know, I'm from California. You know, there's a lot of gang violence out here. If, right. if a person's blood and I'm a crip, that's a hate crime right there. If I shoot you, you a crip, and I'm a blood and I shoot you, that's a hate crime right there, really, because I hate that person because they're from over there. So, I mean, if we really want to be technical about hate crime, you know, I mean, in that instance, I mean, it, crime is hate. You know, you you hating on the next person for, right. for what right. they got. I don't want to take it. You feel me? So, no, but yeah. what I wanted to address, though, my brother, was, I understand, you know, it, you're right. Wrong is wrong. I don't care who it's from. Pink, polka dot, whatever, you know. But I also believe in the law of karma and justice, and the universe is built on justice. 
um, a lot of what may be happening may be a result of, you know, black people's condition and how they've been treated over these years, you know, and you do reap what you sow. I'm not saying I'm justifying it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to stop you again there for a minute. Here's the problem with what you just said, though. Here's the problem with what you just said. The white people responsible for all the racism, the black community's in bed with them. It was the Democratic Party responsible for every racist law, the enslavement of our people, but yet we lay down and we're sleeping with them. No, 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 Real quick, my brother, I'm not ascribing to either Republicans or Democrats. I know the Republican Party uh, was a part of those that wanted to abolish slavery because of the uh, uh, economic situation. The Democrats in the South, pretty much, it's like a lot of people don't know that, that the, uh, back then, in, during slavery times, a lot of people, blacks uh, uh, were Republicans as opposed to Democrats. So I'm aware of the situation, but that's not what I'm addressing. I'm merely addressing the fact that, hey, look, you know, you can't enslave people for 400 years and mistreat them thereafter and expect not to have some kind of repercussions for it. All I'm saying is it might be some kind of divine retribution, if you will, or some justice coming into it, since how, you know, black people get killed either by themselves or, or by whites or by outside races as a whole. I know in California out here we got Hispanics and blacks fighting each other. Those are hate crimes, if you will. You know, so it's just not a black and white thing as far as the crimes. Right. I mean, in, in this situation it might be them coming, you know, the, I hate to quote be a cliche quotist, but you know it may, it may be like Malcolm said. You know, chickens coming home to roost. You kind of getting what you've been putting out, and it's like you know, don't cry when it comes back to you. When you were doing it, you didn't have a problem with it. You know what I mean? But yes, I know what you mean. And Tim, you can also jump in and too. But what I'm saying is that the one, the chickens that it should be coming home to roost to. It's the Liberal Democratic Party. I understand. I totally understand. You don't prescribe to any any party, so I'm not putting I'm you in that box. But what yes. it boils down to, even with the ignorance and the stupidity, that things that the Republican Party does, the Democratic Party is still one thousand times more racist than the Republican Party can ever even think about being, but yet they get a free pass from the black community. That's what we have a problem with. Tim, you want to add to anything? I hate to interrupt, but I agree with you on that one, brother. It is a lot of hypocrisy. Like, for instance, before Obama got in there and started jacking stuff up, uh, you had, and I'm not a Republican. I guess I would call. Them, I'm not really. I don't really ascribe to no party. But I guess I'd be an independent if I was, you know, because I'm not describing to, ascribing to either one. But I know what you mean in the sense, like for instance, they said Bill Clinton. Oh man, he was so great for black people, man. You know, he's honorary black person, yada yada. But more, more, more laws got passed under Clinton that hurt the black community than any other president. And I'm like, how was he good? Nobody's looking at the laws. They're looking at him playing the saxophone. And, uh, and shaking hands with a lot of uh, Uncle Tom leaders. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't use that word, considering what you just said. But you know, uh, 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 bootlicking leaders, if I will, if you will. And then you got you know Obama getting in there, and it's like, yeah, Obama, Obama, everybody votes for him. He ain't do nothing for black people as a whole. So, what's the sense of having a black president if he can't do anything or pass no laws or anything for you as a people? So, 
No, I'm with you. But, I think it's hypocrisy here, on the Democratic say, Party. But, but, here, but here's what I'll say, and I hope you heard me say this earlier. At the end of the day, you're an American. Your passport says United States that. of America. Your your passport says United States of America. No, no, I you mean are, I'm just talking about the definition. But listen, like, to, just, but listen to that. I, but listen, to, you got. I've been listening. I've been listening. You got to give me a chance now. Listen, okay. please. You're a United States of America citizen. You're an American, and for far too long we've been trying to define ourselves by something other than what we are. We're Americans. This is our country. I ain't lost nothing over in Europe. I've loved, I've lost nothing over in the continent of Africa. I've lost nothing on the continent of Australia. I've lost nothing in the continent of Asia. I'm an American. United States of America. The president is the president of the United States of America. For whatever reason, we have a certain bar. The black community has a certain bar for Obama that really, in reality, is actually unfair. He can't do any more for blacks than white presidents were doing for whites if we're doing it right. Now, does that mean that shenanigans didn't take place? No, I'm not fooling myself. I know shenanigans always takes place in politics. I'm very much aware of what happens in politics. But we have to be honest with ourselves. When you talk about the black community, we've got to start doing our own policing. Stop waiting for somebody else to do the police, somebody else to do the policing for us. We need to be accountable for us. You know, it's, it's all right to talk about somebody else's house, but you can't talk about my house if your house ain't right. And too often times, our house ain't right, but we're sitting out there talking about what else, somebody else's house looks like. And so the reality of it is, is what we have to do as, as it pertains down to moving this nation forward and getting our act together is to first do a deep reflection and look in the mirror and say, what is it that I can do, that I control? We are no longer enslaved like we were 400 years ago. doesn't mean that we don't still deal with slavery. But it's a different form of slavery because now this is about an economic slavery. Now this is about a mental bondage. And that's, our, that's on us. That's really on us because well, I've well, had every well, opportunity. I've had, let me finish. I've had every opportunity to excel. I've made my mistakes, but I've also excelled. And so I can't sit there and say the white man held me down or the white man just gave me an upper hand that he didn't give anybody else. I took advantage. One of the things that the one thing that I always respect about Colin Powell is he said the, the field would never be completely leveled. But if you just tilt it somewhere in my direction, I'll beat you every time. That's the philosophy I grew up on. That's the philosophy I live by today. And that's the mindset well, I think we have to have. Well, well, let me say this, my brother. First of all, I'm not one of those brothers that blame the white men, oh, because the white men hold. No, I'm not with that. I'm a member of the Nation of Islam myself, and I follow the leadership of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Whether we, whether what anybody thinks about him or whatever, all that's immaterial to me. I'm with him because, and him and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because of Muhammad's economic blueprint. That's what we're in. Uh, that's what we're subscribing to, where we're talking about, and we're not necessarily relying on any outside source or any outside person or looking for government funding or anything. We basically are trying to pull our resources, pull our finances, and he's going to institute this um, in October in, in, at Tuskegee University when we have our uh, Day of Atonement, uh, our anniversary of our Day of Atonement, uh, the anniversary of the Million Man March. But what we're doing is, and we're setting up a national treasury, not just for us in the nation, but for black people as a whole. Well, we're just going to pull all our money, all of us in the nation of Islam and others in the house. And we're basically going to set aside some money so we can go and purchase some land where we can produce our own food, own clothing, so on and so forth. And now, just to address real quick, brother, and I'll be brief, about when I say I'm not an American. I, I, the reason why I say I'm not an American, I know because uh, some say, well, you're American because you were born here. 
yeah, but the condition of my family and my forefathers, seeing how they were kidnapped and brought over here, I can't see myself as a citizen wearing the names, or a lot of us wear the names of our former slave masters. Now, that's debatable whether people feel that way or not. That's just my point of view, and you have yours. And I respect that and respect you for your point of view, but that's just in my point of opinion why I say I'm not an American. I can't consider myself an American when my, my, my what, great-great-grandfather or grandmother was, was stolen and brought over here and made a slave. You know, I, I can't see how I can be a citizen of a country that enslaved me. But all at the same time, I'm, mis- I'm a misplaced person. One thing I can say is I'm a black man. So... Yeah, but okay. So let me say this. So let me just say this. On the as it relates down to the nation, I have relatives that have been members, and I have a uncle that's a minister within the Nation of Islam. So I've had I've had this conversation with them all of my life, uh, and these type of conversations. But I will tell you this: I hear what you're saying about being an American. But here's what I say in that response: I was willing to die for this country, so that you had the right to even offer up that opinion that you just offered up. And when it's all said and done, if somebody tries to take you from this country now, you will use that U.S. citizenship to say, I have a right to stay in this country. Nobody, nation or anybody else, is running away from America talking about I'm going over to Egypt or I'm going over to Syria or I'm going over to Somalia or I'm going over to any of those other countries. So in keeping it real, let's keep it real. Let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. If people don't like it here in America, they can always leave like W.E.B. Du Bois did when he went to Ghana. He gave up his U.S. citizenship, and he left. If people don't like it here, that's fine. They don't have to like it here. That's the beauty about being an American. You can leave. But my attitude is we either going to work work on the same cause when it comes down to trying to make the best, even your idea of putting money together, pulling money together to do the things. We either going to do it together, even in our little small groups, or we're not doing it, or, or we're not serving any purpose because we don't need to always be fighting each other either. We need to spend time trying to figure out what is it going to take. If the nation has a great idea that's going to get our community moving in the right direction, I'm all for it. If this group has a great idea and it's going to get our community moving in the right direction, I'm all for it. But it's time for us to stop talking about what I'm not, especially when you live in this country with those 13 stripes and those 50 stars because America is a great country. And unless you lived overseas like I have, Unless you've lived in that environment where gypsies come up to your vehicle, where you're looking at homes that are, that are bombed out and people are in the kitchen because they have no wall, unless you've lived in that environment, it's really hard for me to identify with anything other than the fact that I'm an American, regardless of my religious affiliation, whatever else. This is my country, and I love it. Well, well let me say this about, about as far as just as far as um, we can go somewhere else. Well, truth be told, brothers, we have just as much stake in this country as we have a stake in Africa because we're from both that, uh, we are descendants from Africa and we are uh, and have worked here Africa. in the We're part of Africa. Uh, Africa is 57 well, countries. I said a descendant. I said a descendant. Now, everybody 57 knows countries. we don't know 57 countries. 57 countries. Which one am I going to claim? Which one, which one am I going to get reparation from? 57 countries. Wait a minute. 57 countries. 57 countries. And blacks put me in, put my relatives, if you want to go with relatives, blacks are the ones that enslaved my relatives. If we want to go technical. If we want to go technical. Well, look what I'm saying. We can't claim a particular country, but all we, because we don't know, of course. We, our history right. was shattered. But what I, all I'm saying right. is my main but, but we can claim, But we can claim our history here. But we can claim but our history here. That's the point. That can, Just like you started off, 
Wait a minute, just like you said you were initiated. Wait a minute, just like you said you were from California. That first thing you said when you got on was, I'm from California. California. Okay, so, so, so you, wait, was so California ain't on the continent of Africa. California is on the continent. Okay. But you didn't understand it. Go ahead. What what I'm saying is, the fact of the matter is, we have taken this country, in other words, America is is ours because we work for this, for this country. So therefore, it is ours, but I can't. I can't call myself a citizen of America. I can call myself a black man misplaced in America. That's what I refer to myself as. Now, I have just as right as, as much right to this country as the ones that came and stole this from the Indians, so, or the Native American, if you will. And because we worked, we slaved, and we built this country up, so we got some stake in it. And, and as a follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, all we're saying is, is for reparations is to give us a portion of this country and dedicate it solely to us to see how we work for it. And that's all we're saying. And that's what I well, mean. I got. Hey, hold on, hold on. I gotta wrap up this segment because we have a whole other group of phenomenal ladies who are going to really tear it up. This first hour was phenomenal, but let me say this. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're not misplaced. You have a choice. To you have a choice of whether or not you be here or you not. See, the thing of it is, as far as I'm concerned, there's too many groups. There's so much division. I have a problem with division. I always have. And that's why, you know, I don't prescribe to racism. I don't prescribe to this notion, that notion, because the truth of the matter is this. If you actually, if you actually do your your research, you will find out that it was Muslims who enslaved black people and sold them to the slave traders in this country. So, with that, I am going to take a break. And Tim, can you stay with us, or you have to go? Well, go ahead. I'll stay with you a little while longer. Okay. Well, I'm gonna take a break, and then you think the first hour was hot? It's we're about to turn it up a thousand degrees with the ladies of the last civil rights. So we will be right back, and for your laughing pleasure. I am going to play a clip of an attack that my friend Bill Lumen got on his phone. So I just thought I'd give y'all some good entertainment. Be right back after these messages. Hello, America. This is the other Bill for America. I'm the guy with the sign on my truck. Now, I'm not hiring until Obama's gone. That is strictly a prediction because he is destroying our economy. But, as promised, I promised a few Patriot friends on Facebook that I would post a video that um, would bring to light the last phone call I got last night at 11.16 p.m. my time here on the Eastern Seaboard of one of my new liberal friends from Wisconsin. He says his name is John. And I got to call my uh, 
uh, voicemail to be able to retrieve this message and allow you to hear it. It's impressive for somebody of sub-intellectual character. Yeah. Bear with me on this video thing. It's new to me. And I got to uh, fine-tune fine tune it as best I can and get one. First saved message. Here's that. Yeah, my name is John. I was uh, wondering if you guys were hiring yet. Entertaining, huh? The Muslim's still in office, I guess. Come you on. fucking piece of shit. Pick up the pace, John. John, I want to thank you for your contribution. And uh, I have posted on Facebook. If anybody wants to contact him and let him know that they are in support of him or maybe discuss his feelings for my terrible capitalist beliefs, please please don't hesitate to do so. But uh, I will be posting this video shortly. And uh, God bless all patriots, Semper Fi Marines, now, I'm a little busy, so i got to get to work. I'll talk to you later. You have a blessed day. And welcome back to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on Blog Talk Radio. That was my friend Bill Lumen. Last year, well, during the presidential election, he got in trouble, had the Secret Service at his house because he put a sticker on his truck that says, not hiring until Obama is out of office. And so it was kind of a whole big big hubbub. I reached out to him, interviewed him. We became friends, did a few events together. Well, one big event, not a few, just one big event here in Missouri. But now, these three ladies, two of which I've had the honor and pleasure of meeting in Chicago at a press conference, and the third I will get to meet next month in Washington, D.C. at another conference. These three ladies, with a few others, make up a really phenomenal group of female bloggers known as the last civil right. And let's just say I'm a I'm a um give them a model. Even though they probably have many. But this is my model for them. If you approach them in talking about stuff talking about what you want to do and all this, this, and this. You can't talk about it. You better be about it because these women are go-getters. They are uh, committee. They're precinct committee women. One ran for office. 
they're go-getters. And I invited them to come on, and we're really going to get back to the crutch of this whole show. And who and where truly does the responsibility lie with these young black kids doing the crap that they're doing? So please join me in welcoming the ladies of the last civil rights. Let me unmute them. Kaleem, Babette, and Pastor Shannon. Are you ladies there? Hey, yeah, I'm here. And this is Babette. Hi, Timothy. Hi, Thomas. Hello. Hey, Thomas, we are responsible for what happens in our own community. Exactly. We are. So we have to take some self-responsibility, and we are responsible. And then if I can go in with this statement, I have, for years, I have two daughters. I have worked. I have worked at demanding careers. I have been a real estate agent. I have sold insurance. All those careers require numerous times. I may have been self-employed, but I also had to be responsible at the same time to know where, what, and who my children were with. Now, I'm fortunate. I live in a community where most of the parents, uh, usually as a community, might inquire, hey, uh, I saw your daughter the other day on the other side of town just Wanted to check with you. I did ask her if she, her mother knew she was riding her bike over here. 
And those types of things nowadays is rare because people are afraid to even approach another parent just to bring up something or say, I saw your child doing this. I just didn't want them to get hurt because you know why the standards in society today is you don't talk to me about my child. And it's not my concern what happens to yours. And at the same time, we hear this mantra, I'm so busy, I can't be accountable for everything they do. I try to teach them right. Right. And in the comments, there's a guy on, on here in the chat, Big Al. He's saying, who's responsible? Who has the black community been electing for nearly 50 years? There's your answer. That is not necessarily true. The Democrat Party is not the reason. It's a big reason of why where we keep failing, but it is not the reason why we are failing as a community. We dropped the ball ourselves as the black community. We became lazy ourselves and and didn't do what we needed to do. We elected these people because we took the easy way out. We, We wanted to rely on government. We did all the stuff that we weren't supposed to do. Had we been doing what we needed to do, then we would have been, you know, better off as a community. We may not have been you know, switched over to being a Democrat party with all the pipe dreams that they that the Democrat party has offered. So we can't blame the whole failure on on the Democrat party. We've got to start taking some responsibility ourselves there. Nobody made us join the Democrat party. Nobody made us vote the way we do. Self-responsibility. Right. Seriously. I know, Thomas, another thing that I hear. Go ahead, Timothy. No, I was saying, I'm going to listen to most of you. You guys are doing a great job. I'm listening. (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You know know what? And I'm going to add my my two cents to what what you ladies just said because you're absolutely right. It starts and it ends with us. It's like my opening commentary when – when I talked about the fact that when I was angry, when I hated people, I hated people because I made that choice. Ultimately, when a person who hurts me and I choose to be angry and full of hatred, the only one that ultimately ends up getting hurt the worst is me. Two minor heart attacks before the age of 22 because I held on to so much bitterness. When I was in school, I told myself I didn't know how to do math problems, built up a mental block, got bad grades in math because I built up a mental block. Folks, there comes a point in time where we have to take responsibility. But I must say it, our community has a problem with blaming everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. All the man's holding me down. You know, the the statement, the man holding you down, that is partially true. But here's the irony of that. The man that's holding you down, you're in bed with. Well, 1960s and 70s. Hold on, hold on just a second. 1960s mm-hmm. and 70s, when the Democratic um, political machine 
came up with this idea known, known as urban renewal. Urban renewal, a.k.a. bulldozing all black-owned businesses and leaving vacant lots. Go ahead, well, I was just going to say, I agree with you on the statements that the man is holding them down. Those who do use that mantra, they claim the man is holding them down, but at case point, we have great organizations like the Frederick Douglass Foundation. We have organizations like uh, the Cure Network and others that are out there that are trying to reach the communities and say, look, we have thoughts, ideas. We want to hear your opinions. We want to hear how you feel. Basically, right now, addressing the fundamental family structure and the breakdown. But they don't want to hear those messages. They'll say, the man's holding them down. They're in bed with their party with the man that's holding them down. But if you're not in that party and your last name isn't Sharpton or Jackson, or even for that matter, the other holder, then everyone else cannot speak and address your issue. Right. So then you wonder, okay, well, how how can we get them to do accountability when you do have people out there who are concerned and ready to go and, and like, motivate and activate? Right. Right. I was taught as a kid that you work hard. I was taught, yes, I was taught, because I come from a Democrat family, that the odds are stacked against me, and it was, and it's going to be a lot harder. But then I was raised by a great-grandparent who, you know, lived those days of, you know, the tail end of slavery and then separate but equal and everything else. I was taught that I need to work harder twice as hard as everybody else around me if I wanted to do anything. If I failed, I was not taught that it was somebody else's fault. I was taught to go back to the drawing board and do what I needed to do and go back and hit it up until I succeeded. That's where people are going wrong now. They want to blame everything else on everybody else. You can't do that because when you start thinking like that, you're setting yourself up for failure to begin with. When you go into the world and you go out there saying, oh, well, I'm I'm not going to do good and the white man's against me and all this other stuff, you're just setting yourself up for failure. You're already saying, I can't do this. you got to go out there with an I can attitude, not an I can't and everybody has to help me. That's not what Martin Luther King strived for. It's not what any of our civil rights, everybody knows Martin Luther King. There were a ton of different civil rights leaders in this movement, and they did not fight for us to say, oh, we can't do anything without government assistance, and oh, we can't do anything. We have to drop the bar so we can succeed. That's not what they fought for. They said we're equal, not equal with special privileges. So if we're going to do something with the black community, then we as a black community need to step up, take some responsibility, and get out there and do what we need to do to build ourselves up. What I, what, I, what I heard, what I heard, what I heard you all say, and what I hear you saying is that we have to continue to remind our community each and every day that we are the victors and not the victims. We have allowed the race, the race baiters, to sell us as a, as a whole group that we always see ourselves as the victim, and that if the system doesn't take care of us and pay us back, that we'll never have what everybody else has or at least has the opportunity to get. 
we have to do a better job of getting our message out. We have to do a better job of communicating to each other. We have to do a better job of even elevating one another. Because one of the challenges I think we have is that too often times we're already a small community as a whole. And then we become even a smaller community because we're black and conservative. And if we're black conservative and got a big mouth like me, then it even becomes even smaller. And so and so we have some work to do. We've got some opportunities, but I think all of us have an opportunity through all the means that we communicate with people to remind people that we are not victims. We are victors and that we will continue to walk in that light. We will continue to act accordingly and we will continue to promote that because when we do that, and enough of us say it over and over again, just like the lies that the liberal have told and we believe, when we say it enough times, I think we'll get more people to believe and act upon the fact that we are victors and not victims. I think people are getting confused on the term conservative as well. Blacks have always been, a lot of blacks have always been conservative, just as well as in the in the Hispanic community. They've been conservative. We have Democrats, liberals, everybody they, in underneath the sun where they're conservative as far as when they want to, you know, how they raise their kids with morals, values, and everything else, whereas some people base their ideas on what is conservative on all they see is the, the far right and, and the Republican Party is being conservative. Blacks are traditionally conservative. They believe in God. They go to church. They try to raise their kids right. You know, a lot of we do have a lot of conservative blacks out there. Even in the Democrat Party, we have conservative blacks. So we have to make sure that we the, the difference between like them and and the, those of us that are in the Republican Party is just the D and the R, not necessarily whether you're conservative by the general standards of being conservative is. I agree with Colleen on that because I was raised by two Democrats myself and my family. Self-reliant, built their own businesses, paid and bought their own home. We ate beans more nights than I could care for when the business was being built up, but they refused to take assistance. Not entitlement right. back in those days. It was called assistance, and that's another thing. Um, that's always been around, but is the usage and the easy to fall back on to it there in society? Yes, it's possible. Generations are making, some say, a career out of it. I have seen that in my lifetime, but I find when you speak to people about that type of issue, you've got to understand there's a lot of folks out there that really don't want to be on assistance, but I agree with claim on the connotation of conservative. I think a lot of blacks have forgotten that traditionally we are conservative as far as our lifestyle goes. And there's also, I noticed that we also have a friend of mine um, named Linda that brought up an, a, topic, a point to make, too. She's saying it's not just the black families. We're also seeing because of the way society and what's acceptable, children can't be allowed to fail. And she's right. We have teens out there, we have teachers out there where a child's ego is so bruised that they can't fail. So what I think we've built is generations in a nation of those who don't want to be held accountable and responsible because anything they do has already been inflated in their ego as being okay, such as using derogatory terms for women. Also men, I hear these young girls today, they have their terms for these guys. 
save someone that's thirsty. That's the least offensive that I could say. Uh, and then we wonder why we have, as communities, people feel it's okay to brag that I went and jacked that man up. Or that white man, you know, we beat his butt. I'm talking about the World War II veteran, unfortunately, that passed away. And most of those cases, if you notice, someone was bragging about it. Again, though, I say we, we have to get back to basics beyond politics. You know, generations back, the church took an active role in our communities, and parents Parented, and if the parents were out not in the house because they were working, the grandparents parented, and we have such a breakdown in the family structure that it still burns our communities. Now, Shannon, how do you propose to do that when I brought that point up? And they don't want to hear it. So where do we go? I'm agreeing with you. It's about the, you know, I'm going to put it to you this way. And a lot of these things that we've been seeing and hearing in the news, there's a group, and we all talked about it off off air, there's a group that has been obviously silent, and that's the black clergy. You know, if if the clergy were to be able to actually stand up, and see, here's the thing. So many folks in the clergy today, uh, and I can say that, because are so worried about being politically correct that they've forgotten how to be biblically correct. Because the Bible doesn't say anything about being politically correct. The Bible says this is what you do in this situation, this is what you do in this situation, this is what you do in this situation, and we have allowed, and I do mean allowed, those that stand in the pulpit to get so far astray of where they're supposed to be that, that the message that they're giving does not help our communities. It does not help our families. It just doesn't. That's because they're mixing politics in. That's because they're mixing politics in with the pulpit. They're not teaching the Bible anymore. They're teaching politics. But they're not even teaching politics. They're teaching based on who they are. Now, the the people that you're talking about being silent is our conservative clergy. The the liberal clergy is speaking out loud and clear right now. Absolutely. The conservative clergy Absolutely. is silent. Absolutely. And, and you know, the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. So if your, if your, quote, ministerial leader is not giving you that knowledge, then one thing you need to do is look for another place to worship. And number two, read for yourself. The Bible isn't something that... You can only understand if you have a certification in ministry. Anybody can pick it up and read it. If you're sitting there and you've got children that are running amok and let us stray, there's verses and scriptures in there about how to raise your children, about how to raise them up so that the correct way so that when they get older they understand what's right and wrong, and we've gotten so far away from that that it, this is what and we I, I agree with you. I also think earlier in the show uh, – Dr. Johnson um, brought up another good point is what they're doing. They're going after the NAACP, the CBC. Let's get rid of these false prophets from the party because their words and what they are saying and the programs that they're implementing that those in the street are taking for the biblical word, too. we got to get them get rid of the false prophets and put the real Bible forth. That's right. Absolutely. I, 
I had people all the time, well, so-and-so said this, or so and so you talking about that person from the CDC is going to tell you how to run your household. Yet at the same time they scream, if the government would stay out of my bedroom, okay, choose where you want the government or tell them to get out of your home, period. We can't be hypocritical on these issues. That is the problem. I, I know I think Timothy nailed it on the head when he brought up that CDC um, they were in Chicago. Some of the members this summer. Chicago is my um, city. I'm in the state of Illinois uh, to talk about the violence in the city of Chicago and and what you know. They had their great little meeting and summit. To tell you the truth, I didn't really hear much coming out of that summit. I followed it closely in the news. Also, I have said this before. If we're going to go out and we're going to preach, we cannot go out and preach to the black the black liberals about religion. We, we just need to go on stuff we have in common, which is conservative values. We cannot go tell them they do not know God or religion because a lot of them are very religious. Now, the, the mistake that's being made is the people that are teaching from the pulpit, that's man-made error. That's not the Bible error. That's man-made error that they're teaching false stuff from the pulpit. But we cannot go door to door and preach religion at people because, like, if my great-grandmother and my grandmother, all of them Democrats, you go to their door, knock on their door, and tell them they don't know God and they don't know religion, you're going to get knocked the hell out. That's pure and simple because they're going to tell you, wait a minute, I go to church now. I read my Bible every day. But it's a false teaching from the pulpit, and that's man-made error. That's not the Bible error. That's man-made error. So we need to fix Absolutely. what they're preaching and go back to basics there. Absolutely. That's pretty much what I'm saying. You don't have to reinvent the scriptures. It's already there. It's a blueprint. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And too many people right. are trying to but reinvent the wheel. Right, but I'm just saying we need to hit it just as far as conservative values, period. The, the, if, you, if you're a believer in the Bible and then you believe in God, then that's going to show through in the way you bring yourself across. You don't need to go there throwing the Bible up in their face or throwing your religion up in their face because you're going to get shut out, and that's what's been happening. I mean, everybody knows, and I'm just going to put it out there, everybody knows when the Jehovah Witnesses come to your house, and especially a black household, you told to get on the floor, don't breathe, don't look wrong, because they don't want to open the door, you know, and they're out there doing their thing. They're trying to spread the word just like everybody else, but they will shut you out real quick. So we can't go and tell people about religion like that. We need to hit the community based on stuff we have in common, which will show what our religious beliefs are. We don't have to just throw it out there and be like, oh, you don't know God, and we have to hit him with religion. Mm-mm. That'll show through. It's it's a beacon. Great point, Kareem and Shannon. Great point. You know, we, we got, let me jump in here for a minute because I want to. You, you guys pointed out something that that is ironic, and and Colleen, you mentioned the word religion. Let me let me just tell you how crazy and jacked up it actually is when when it comes to the teaching of the pulpit. Man's definition of religion and the Bible's definition of religion are two different things. 
James, the first chapter, 27th verse, says this. Pure religion undefiled before God is this. To take care of the widows and their orphans in their time of need and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's the definition. That's the biblical definition of religion. But if you look at man's definition of religion, basically what it looks like is just it becomes another excuse to divide ourselves. So, Kareem, you're absolutely right in what you said. If you look at the example of Jesus, he built relationships with people. He built relationships yes. with people. And he talked to everybody and anybody. He took in prostitutes, tax collectors, everything else. That's one thing about man-made religion right now and the way man is turning religion in is it's being used to be hypocritical and just put people down, which is not going to want anybody, you know, make anybody happy about caring about religion. When you try and use it against people, that's not a good way to to get people to hear you and, and see your point of view. Right, and that is the I would, reason. I would question that too. I would question that because how do you talk to a segment of a population that holds their party line so much that the party took out God at their national convention? That shows you where they have progressed to. Right. Well, but that but it doesn't mean you can't talk to them about the fundamental principles from the Bible. Hey, Jim. <laughs> how, you, how you guys doing? 
I'm good. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. Um, you know, I, I've been listening for about the past 15 minutes or so, and, and I'm very impressed with what I've been hearing, but I'm wondering a couple of things. The first thing I'm wondering, and without going into the whole uh, political arena at first, is it not a problem of upbringing but more of a social economical problem? And, and I only say this because I see it not only in the African-American community, but in, in the white community as well. Um, I've seen growing up in, you know, in the seventies and in the eighties, as I have the total parental skills have gone down ever since that kid has been able to divorce his parents. You know, it, the days of when I was a child and, and say, for example, I'm in a store and I throw a, um, temper tantrum because I want something and my parents say no it, it's not unheard of that either my mom or my dad jack me up and straighten me out right then and there but nowadays you can't do that because somebody's going to call the police and then you know it's, it's this whole big hassle granted there's nothing in, in the you know laws at least not in Illinois that say you can't discipline your child you know obviously you can't use implements like they did back when I was a kid but um there's nothing that says that, but people are afraid to become parents. People are afraid that society is going to label them, you know, whether it's a child abuser or whatever the case may be, if they simply spank their child. And I'm wondering if because of those stereotypes and because of society as a whole, both in society as well as what the government's trying to push on society, that parents have lost the ability to become proper parents. Jim, um, you're on my Facebook, so that's why I asked um, those questions on my Facebook a while ago. This is Cooling, by the way. Hey, <laughs> I was going? asking the questions of whether or not it's a race thing or whether it's a cultural and societal thing where the ball is being dropped. That's why I was asking those questions. And when, that's why I was asking people if they knew what cultural, the difference between cultural differences are in race and in different things like that. But it's, it's, it's more becoming a cultural thing because you're right. It is more spread out now. It's not just, it's not a black thing. It's not a Hispanic thing. It is a, a whole race thing right now where everybody's becoming, where they're not being parents, where the government has been allowed to step in and take over raising our children. We can't spank them anymore because they, the, your kids can call the police and have you carted away, things like that. But that's because we as a whole, society as a whole, has dropped the ball. The reason why we address it to the black community at times is not because we're separating out the black community and just saying it's just our problem because we know it's not just a black problem. It's an overall problem. But that's the, the community that we come from. So we try to hit it hard in within our community because that is the community that we are a part of. But overall, I don't think any of our ladies of the last civil right would just say, no, I'm just a part of, I'm just a black conservative or I'm, a, I'm just a black Republican. We would always say that we were American instead of being just black. But we just address those that way because we are still a part of the black community and we address our our own community as well. But it is a whole cultural thing. We have to get back to values and morals. That's the whole idea, and that's where you meet people. You don't change things 
unless you start talking to people. Many people are afraid to go out and talk to people. Like Babette and I, we just did um, her uh, tea party event at the Pima, not Pima County, I almost said mine, but at her DuPage County Fair. And the tea party, a lot of them were scared to walk up and talk to various individuals. You, you, People have to get you know over that shyness and go up and start talking to everybody and getting out the good values and the good morals, talk about how things will change for them if they do it this way. You have to break it down because within the minority communities, you have to break it down. If you sound like you're telling them what to do or if you sound like you're being arrogant, they're going to shut you out. So we need to figure out how to hit everybody that way as far as changing things. Well, and and I agree with that, and I think that's where – the government needs to step back, you know, and, and stop trying to influence and stop trying to put its political pressure on people. You know, the, the biggest thing, and, and I say this only because, you know, I've spent 15 years in the service of this country. I mean, I've had, Thank I've you got for friends your of, of, you're, you're very welcome. It's an honor. But I've got friends of all different faiths. I've got friends of all different nationalities. And the biggest thing that really for lack of better terms, ticks me off is how it's not the American people. It, it's it's the white right. community, it's the black community, it's the Hispanic community. What happened to it's we the people? I mean, if you look at, at the Constitution, it's we the people, not we the black people or we the white people or we the Hispanics or whatever. And, and people are so hung up on race. It's, it drives me absolutely insane. I mean, we well, that's why right. I say look that at you that have whole to thing. change it. Well, the but only how, way we're going to change that is hitting it. There, the only way to change you know, it is to start at the bottom, is to start at the bottom. I've said that on my page numerous times. You have to start with the people. The people are who make up the United States of America. It is we the people. People often tend to forget that things start at the bottom and move up. If we change people's hearts and minds at the bottom, then you'll see the change go back into the politics and government. You, you're not going to change government from the top. You have to change it from the bottom. And, Jim, if you also, and you're also my friend, too, on Facebook. So glad you called in and made it in. I want to address that, too, what you're saying about we, the people. I agree with you as anyone else. Um, but when you also have an agenda, when they have an agenda of a person, right now they're not happy with that that jury decision with Trayvon Martin. Just just the other day, Colin Powell was interviewed, and he says he called upon President Obama to speak more upon that unracial inequality and where we have come. So right now we're seeing a media blast that's feeding into that agenda. Now, if you guys want to go back 10 years, you know, your articles did not always start off, black boys murder white men, black boys murder World War II. Yes, that black-on-white crime has been there as well as black-on-black, white-on-black, Hispanic, what what have you. One of the... um, I think one of the listeners that's in the show's chat box brought up a good point. In the military, they don't have that. They're all green. And I said, that's right, and we all bleed red. 
exactly right. I mean, but when there is an agenda out there and it starts up this type of news frenzy, remember, they got to sell those papers and now those digital online subscriptions. And because they can read the general census and the government who's pulling their strings is blowing up issues. This issue is distracting all of us from Syria, Benghazi, but it does need to be addressed. It's not like we pushed it under the table or want to sweep it under the rug. I mean, every time I look up, I see organizations like Frederick Douglass Foundation, um, the RISE organization, the Black Pro-Life Coalition, which is technically a coalition that uses that title because they are pastors going out into those communities addressing the issue. But once they start blowing up the crime, I'm seeing myself on social media, as you've been aware, I've made everyone aware of, it's a dangerous war that's being that's going on right now. It's, it's a powder keg. And well, you know, and it, and and I hate to say it because I mean, we we you the two of you know me well at least from Facebook. Um, you know that I love my country. You know I I would give my life for my country. I mean, my oath does not have an expiration date, and I will take that to my grave. The thing that scares Game me here. is all of this is perpetuated by hatred and and just pure out bigotry. It doesn't matter if it's white on black, black on black, black on white. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, it, and you hit the nail on the head. In the service, you're all green. Everybody is the same. Opportunities are the same. Everything is the same. Okay? I mean, after all, look at Colin Powell. Made it to the highest rank that anybody could make it in the military. He's a black man. So for anybody to say that that's not possible, they're nuts. But the thing of it is, is people have got to stop. I mean, it was that's terrible kind of in the hard 1800s. To do and- yeah, that's kind of hard to do, and I'm going to explain why. Um, the, I understand if it were a quick and easy fix, we would have done it by now. But there is a plain and simple fact that we do, especially as a black community, that's the reason why I asked about cultural differences, we have a different fight than what everybody else does have, and that's just the honest truth. We are very different culturally because, yes, our community ends up falling back and screaming about slavery. And I'm going to throw this out there right now. If we're going to throw out slavery like it was in the conversation earlier where everybody's falling back on slavery, we need to quit that mess that it was the white folks' fault that slavery occurred. That started in the Middle East. It did not start with white folks. White folks, they bought a commodity, and they didn't start off, blacks did not start off as slaves in the U.S. They started off as indentured servants and later on moved to being slaves, and then it changed back again to where we were you know, working, getting out there on our own. But slavery is a big thing within the black community. All the black people seem to fall back on slavery as an excuse not to move forward, whereas a lot of other cultures have moved forward. We've got to baby step our community to get out of that, which is a lot different than other cultures. So that's why it's hard to say that we, that to, to jump out there and just drop race. We have a bigger fight on our end when it comes to the black community on stuff like that. And, and I agree with you. And you, you said that the, the key word, you said it's an excuse. And that's exactly what it is. Because if you think about it logically, the, the slavery, you know, from the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, if none of us in this day and age, in this generation, 
were alive 200 years ago. Was it wrong what happened? In the end, yes, because going from indentured servitude to becoming a slave, et cetera, et cetera, yes, as, as human standards at this day and age, in this generation, in the year 2013, we know that it's wrong. We totally know it. The mindset, nobody can speak to the mindset 200-plus years ago. Nobody can. None of us were here. So to fall back and say, well, it's a slave, you know, it's because of slavery, and, and it's, you hit it on the head. It's that's the because it's been taught. That's and and that's, that's where the that problem way. lies. That's where the problem lies. The, the, the society's mindset and, and mentality has to be changed because it's, you know. And that only happens but, with baby steps, and that's why you do see a little bit of division because like, we get called out all the time, and I've been told even on my page that, oh, my gosh, you're bringing back color, and you're talking about race, and you're race-baiting yourself. It's not race-baiting when we address our our community that way because we do have a different struggle. At times we're going to have to separate ourselves out to address our own community because we do have a different struggle. So it's not going to happen overnight, that's for sure. No, I guarantee and that's it's why, not. you know, us ladies actually get out there and, and do what we do. You know, Babette is a is a precinct committeeman in her area. She does she works for a lot of different organizations. Shannon, she does her stuff too. And, you know, I'm is work for the last civil right. I'm a precinct committeeman. I work for the disabled American veterans, and we do. We, we're out in the field. We're talking to people because we have to educate, especially in our own community, to get it changed. And we have to baby step our community. It's going to be difficult, but it can be done. But but how also, how much I want baby to remind steps? you guys, Jim. I also want to remind you all. It's not just slavery. I don't hear a lot of slavery talk in my area. And, you know, I'm talking literally when I'm in the city, hanging with my friends, hanging with my cousins. I do hear from some, as we say, the old tinies, that our elders and some seniors in the community, it's Jim Crow. They still can't get over to Jim Crow. And in some sense, you can understand that. We do have a generation that is still here and alive today that has been through Jim Crow, black codes. I, you know, they, they still, I have some relatives that won't come to my, to the summer, to this day. If it's predominantly white summer, they're fearful of coming out. And we still have, in Chicago, there, there is still a town where, you know, there was a little bit of a divide. I won't name that town on this radio show, but the mayor, and as you know, the city of Chicago, Democrat rule, 80 years. Most of the mayors most, not all, have lived over, especially the main family, in that town. A black person couldn't be in that town. There was a murder in the paper about, I don't know how many years ago, wasn't that long, of a young black child because there's a park with a basketball court that sits in the middle of the town division, and the blacks play on one side and the whites are on the other. They split the court in half. So you can see how long and prevalent that mindset is when they're still teaching it and spreading the story. Yet at the same time, I will say to some of those folks that are opposed to different issues with the, you know, protection and then laws like the Second Amendment, I said, do you understand where the NRA came from and why it was created? Do you understand that Martin Luther King Jr. had armed guards through the NRA and the armed bishops? 
So I, we understand what you're saying, but don't forget, it doesn't just go as far back as slavery. You have to come up to Jim Crow laws. Hey, Babette, go ahead and tell them specifically, uh, or I can tell them, the NRA was started to protect black people from from the Democratic Party. That's right. That was my point with that. And, and that's the type of mindset we're going against because they don't hear that history. Right, and that's, that's been changed. It's been left out. And you know, then also, I, I, we I also have to, to battle people too. Like, um, we have to, we have to, we have a whole new battle on our hands where we have this pan-African thing going on. Like, the intro to the nation of idiots, like the guy that we had on earlier, saying that he doesn't feel like he's an American. And there, we have the nation of idiots out there, you know, promoting all this division and separation among the races and trying to start a race war, which was what this conversation was started out as, you know, and he says that he doesn't want, he doesn't classify himself as an American. Well, if he doesn't classify himself as an American, then all I can suggest is, you know what, if you're not American, get the hell out, you know, because me being a service person, me being a service person and serving my country, I, you know, I feel really bad for you know, I'm, I, it makes me mad when I hear people like that talk like that when I volunteered my service for this country to protect their rights as stupid people like that. You know, and if they want to promote separation and everything, you know what, I'll help him with a ticket to Africa. He wouldn't <laughs> live two days over there, but I will help him with a ticket. Because if you do not like it here, you don't consider yourself an American, then you don't need to be here. And, and, and um, don't come here and promote racial division, more racial division. We already have enough of that. So all these yes, nation of idiot fools need to just go away. If they don't like to hear, go away. Yeah, right. I, I'd like. I just want to say thank you guys so much. I hate to jump out because you know I, I'm enjoying the heck out of this conversation. Gals, you got. I love you guys. You guys rock. Um, unfortunately, I have to get back to work, uh, but. I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this, and and I truly hope that I have not offended anybody. Um, but I, I am very grateful that you guys gave me the opportunity to speak, and I, I appreciate it. Jim, why would you have offended anybody? You didn't thank say anything you, offensive. <laughs> thank well, you for thank coming you for on. Calling in. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You guys have a great night. You, you too. too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, ladies, time flies when you're having fun. We are down to five minutes and 22 seconds. So, who wants to go first with their final thought? Go ahead, Babette. (laughs) Well, my final thought on all of this, Thomas, and I'm just going to keep it brief here, is that I don't care what your political party is, if you want to find out more information, see what you can do to jump in and get involved in your community, I'm willing to hear from you. You can find me at thelastcivilright.org, that's H-T-T-P, lastcivilright.org, or you can just put it in Google as all one word. You can find me on there, Kaleem on there, and Pastor Shannon Wright. Go ahead, Kaleem. 
I just want to say the only way we can get this fixed is to start working from the ground up. We've got to get out there. We see very many faces on TV. A lot of people out there, you hear the talking points at the national level. You see all those lovely faces up in the media and everything and on stage. But those people aren't going to change anything. It's those people working at the bottom and, and out in the field within the community that are going to get where, you know, the change is going to be is going to start. So if anybody wants to work, we'd be happy to have them. We'd be happy to listen to anybody and everybody here, ideas. doesn't matter, like Abbott said, what political affiliation you are. We want to hear from you and come visit us at the last civil rights. Yep. Pastor Shannon? Well, um, I like all the this, – this has been really an enjoyable experience in dealing with a not-so-pleasant topic. Um, my, my final statement, I think, would be that, um, what, what, as that phrase goes, what we have here is a failure to communicate. I think what we all have in common is a lot more than what actually separates us, but I think sometimes we allow those with their own agenda, as others have hit on in this show, um, to, to get their ratings and their media points and sound bites out there for their own agendas and purposes. We all, <laughs> we all have the same insides. And, and our goals are the same. We want a roof over our head. We want food on the table. We want clothes on our, on, on our backs. And we want our children to be safe and educated. And I think if we focus on what unites us instead of what divides us, we get a lot farther faster. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Thomas, for having us on this show. I, I absolutely love hearing um Dr. Johnson in the earlier segment. Absolutely loved it. So thank you very much. Um, you guys forgot one little thing. Um promote your trip. Oh, I Go ahead, Babette. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we will be joining Thomas in Washington D C um in September, I believe it's the ninth through the eleventh. Um, Star Parker's Cure Network, which touches and works in communities, and they have a wide network of pastors and activists. They are having their semi-annual um, a, a banquet and summit. So we will be hearing from some great leaders at this summit, Walter Williams, Dr. Ben Carson, and Thomas, I can't wait to see you again. So we will definitely all be in Washington, D.C. for that. And we want to thank all our sponsors and supporters because all of us, including Thomas, the host of this show, we can only do it. We're all supported by donations for our organization. Thomas is a part of the Frederick Douglass Foundation himself. So thank you, everyone. And you can find the, fun, the fundraising link on our page at The Last Civil Right, and you can find Thomas's fundraising link on his page as well. And there you have it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this special episode of the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed. And as you heard my motto at the beginning of the show, remember, here at the Visible Conservative Radio Network, we're not politically correct. We're just correct politically. And we always down the right side of the issue. Until next time, you all have a good night.
children and my wife Thank my lucky stars to be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA From the lakes of Minnesota To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. There's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say That I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free Today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who There ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse With family, cannolis And spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.